Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Please uh, you, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, subscribe. Give us uh, some support if you can. And also, if you're watching on uh, or listening on, on Big Blue View Radio, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, uh, as we continue NFC East week, I'm joined today by blogging the boys contributor David Howman as we talk about uh, the NFC East rival Dallas Cowboys. David, uh, thank you very, very much for, for hopping on. I think this is the first time you and I have had a chance to chat. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited to come on and talk about the Cowboys and definitely give a completely fair and unbiased opinion of them being a well, that is that is definitely that is definitely not what we expect. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on! I've been talking. I've been dealing with RJ for way too long to to, <laughs> to expect that. So he may or may not have given me some some talking points about make sure you say this, make sure you get this line in there. <laughs> All right, you know he's not going to be on vacation forever. I will get him back <laughs> for 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 whatever nastiness is about to come. So. <laughs> All right. Uh so let's so let's start with this. We're we're headed into training camp here, you know, within uh probably a week and a half or so. So the off season what people generally refer to as roster building season is pretty much over with. As we head to training camp, do you look at the Dallas Cowboys and and feel like they're a better team than they were at the end of the 2022 season or a worse team. So you, are you happy with the way the offseason went? I think overall happy with the way the offseason went. Um, the, the two big additions were the veterans they brought in with Brandon Cooks beefing up their wide receiver core. That was a big talking point all of last year was outside of CeeDee Lamb. Who do they really have? And bringing in Brandon Cooks, I think, at least on paper, seemed like a good addition. And then Stephon Gilmore at cornerback because they, you know, they have Trayvon Diggs, who has been very productive, but on the opposite end of him, it's kind of been a bit of a question mark and a bit of a rotating door for them. And Stephon Gilmore is obviously a very, very accomplished player. So those two moves are really the highlights and really address the two biggest needs for this roster. But really it, what it's ultimately going to come down to, in my opinion, is how the transition goes with Mike McCarthy taking over play calling now. And that's kind of the probably the, the biggest move with all the uncertainty. And nobody really agrees on what they expect for this offense, what it's going to look like with McCarthy, how much changes. And also, you know, there's there's still people that debate about was was McCarthy the problem in Green Bay? Was it the relationship with him and Aaron Rodgers? What was really the thing that went wrong there? 
And how does that transition to him calling the shots now in Dallas? So McCarthy is still not, you would say he's still not really widely sort of loved or, or accepted, you know, as the answer as, as the Dallas head coach at this point. I think, I think that's probably just par for the course for any Cowboys head coach is when, when you win, then it's like, okay, this, this coach is doing a great job. He's, you know, we love him for this week. And then if you lose, then it's, oh, well, we, we got to get rid of this coach. And you saw a little bit of that with Jason Garrett, where he, he did a lot of rebuilding with that team. But then at the end of the year, you know, every single season would end in one way or another with a loss, with some sort of disappointment. And that's how it has been for Mike McCarthy the last two years. They've, they've statistically, they've done very well, but then they get to the playoffs two years in a row, lose to the 49ers. Um, so I think both seasons, both of these last two seasons have ended with a disappointing feeling, especially as it relates to McCarthy, because he was billed as the coach that was had all the experience, had a ring, and was going to get this team over the hump. So um, I, I think there was just some level of, of like, we're, we're not really fully in love with you yet. And then when he goes and says, now I'm going to take over the whole offense, it's, okay, well, you know, we, we didn't see you as the savior already. We're not sure how to feel right now. So were there any indications in the spring how the offense might change with McCarthy, with McCarthy calling plays? I know he, he made noise about wanting to run the ball more and, and things like that, which to be honest with you, I find kind of silly knowing what, sort of offense he ran in Green Bay and knowing that it was really a one-trick pony and also having watched Ben McAdoo try to run that same exact offense in New York, the the opinion from this side of the aisle is that Aaron Rodgers probably made Mike McCarthy look a whole lot better than Mike McCarthy actually is as an offensive football coach. So... So I'm curious if you guys have seen any differences to this point. Well, first off, I'll say everyone in Cowboys land is a huge fan of Ben McAdoo. They're very appreciative for, for what he did that, that last year in New York. Um, they were very happy to welcome him to Dallas for his one year that, that he was coaching. <laughs> um, now that I've taken my tongue out of my cheek, um, I can say with, with this new offense with McCarthy, they really have been very careful through um, through OTAs and, and the little mini camps that they've had to not give a whole lot away. Um, they've kind of really all that we can get is talking points and guessing from what coaches have said. And they've all maintained that they're only changing about 30% of the offense. And what that 30% looks like, we have no idea. But they did bring in a whole lot of change on the offensive staff, aside from just McCarthy taking over. They have a new running backs coach who was previously the assistant offensive line coach in Dallas. They have a new offensive line coach who brings in a very different system from what the previous position coach was doing. Brian Schottenheimer elevated from a coaching analyst to the offensive coordinator. Even though he won't be calling plays, he brings a very different school of offense from not only what McCarthy has done in his career, but also from what Kellen Moore was doing through his time in Dallas. So it, it, it's really hard to fully understand what the offense will look like, how different it will be. Um, 
and, and McCarthy has talked, like you mentioned, he's talked about running the ball. I don't think necessarily more, but running it more efficiently. That was a big problem for the offense last year. Um, but also from looking at his time in Green Bay, he was a very pass-happy play caller. And part of that is when you have Aaron Rodgers and also when you have Brett Favre in his first few years there, you're going to throw the ball a lot. But also some of that is just his background as a West Coast offense play caller. So um, it, it really – it's hard to get a clear idea of how much is actually changing and what it will look like right now. McCarthy is a very secretive coach. Um, but it, it does seem like it's probably going to be – a little closer to what we saw in Green Bay, whereas the last few years under Kellen Moore have been stylistically very different and very similar to the offenses that you have seen at Boise State if you watch you know, Boise State, especially back when Moore played for them. So I'm curious, as we talk about the Cowboys offense, you happen to mention the offensive line, and for so many years, Dallas was looked at as as a team that had perhaps the best offensive line in football, that really doesn't seem to be the case anymore as, as guys have gotten older, as the personnel's changed just a little bit. What is the state of, of the Dallas offensive line at this point? It's one that is very much caught between that former identity as being like one of the best offensive lines and also one that is, kind of undergoing a youth movement because Zach Martin is still there and he's been, he's been a prominent part at right guard and he's still one of the most dominant offensive linemen in the, in the league. Um, Tyron Smith, of course, his problem has been injuries. When he's out there and he's playing, he's still the Tyron Smith that everyone thinks is you know one of the best left tackles in the game. But the issue is he hasn't played a full season in years now. And he's always due to miss some length of games at some point or another. Um, so that has really made it difficult to maintain that kind of dominance. But then you have Terrence Steele at right tackle, who last year and the year before kind of emerged as one of the better run-blocking right tackles in the game. But he's also coming off an injury that he sustained last year. Then you've got center Tyler Biotish, who last year was his second full season as the starter, and he made the Pro Bowl. So he's very much a a rising player. And then Tyler Smith, who was a rookie last year and kind of split time between left guard, left tackle. And they're really, really high on him and his development and his future. But then right now the question is if, if Tyron Smith is healthy, is he playing at left tackle or are they going to play him at right tackle? If Steele isn't fully healthy, does that mean Tyler Smith plays at left guard or do they want to keep him at left tackle, which is where they see him long-term? There's questions about who plays where, and of course, it's made all the more difficult because you have Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, you have Tyler Biotish and Tyler Smith, and it's hard to get all the names correct, especially <laughs> when you're bouncing them all back and forth between who plays where. But they definitely have an idea of who their best five are. And then a lot of the focus of this offseason with regards to the offensive line was also making sure that they have better depth because the last few years they've had injuries, whether it was Tyron Smith or Terrence Steele or other players, and and they ended up getting bit a little bit by their lack of depth, and that's been a focus this offseason. All right, let's talk about uh, – we've talked some about the offseason, things that, that the Cowboys have accomplished, whether you feel better about this team entering the, uh, entering the upcoming training camp. I'm curious if you look at this team, is there one thing that – that Dallas fans really wanted 
this team to accomplish during the offseason that really didn't get done? Um, that's a that's a really good question because I think a lot of the a lot of the fan reaction has mostly been positive, largely just because getting Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore were both very very popular moves. Um, but I think lately a lot of the talk has been about the kicker situation because the Cowboys last year had Brett Maher as their kicker, and all throughout the regular season he was one of the most consistent kickers in the NFL. Um, and then they go into the playoffs, and in that first playoff game, he, you know, set a record for most missed extra points. And, and then in the next game, he had a his first extra point gets blocked, and then the team decided they weren't going to bring him back this year. So they're going into the in, into training camp, and and they don't have an incumbent kicker. And Cowboys fans were looking at, well, Robbie Gold is available, Mason Crosby is available. He, of course, played in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy. There's a connection there. These are two established veteran kickers. And fans really wanted to get one of those guys because they're a known name, they're they're savvy veterans, and they're very reliable. And then they the Cowboys kind of waited, waited, waited. And then last week, they signed Brandon Aubrey from the USFL. Um, and he actually – he's a really fun story because he started out playing – soccer and he played uh, professionally in, in the um, in the MLS and then a couple of years ago joined the USFL and started playing football. And so now he's coming to the Cowboys. But for a fan base that for months now has been saying, we want Robbie Gold, we want Nathan Crosby, we want just someone that we know, that we've heard of before, there's probably still some level of, of disappointment that the kicker options are Brandon Aubrey, who until a couple of years ago, didn't even play the sport. And then Tristan Vizcano, who was on the practice squad most of last year and only has like three or four field goal attempts to his name for his whole career. The only thing I can say about that whole situation is the Brett Maher deal last year was one of the most painful things I've ever watched. And also as a guy that covers the giants, it was also kind of one of the more enjoyable ones too. <laughs> just, uh, you know, I, I have to be honest about that. It was, it was kind of enjoyable to, uh, to, to watch the Cowboys squirm their way through that mess. All right, yeah, let's talk. Was, no, it, oh, go ahead. It, it was a weird situation to, to watch unfold, especially because it happened in a playoff game, that they won by such a large margin. So in the end, it, it, even during the game, it, it didn't really make a difference. But then at the same time, you look and say, well, you missed, you know, four or five kicks in a row. What happened? Yeah, that was uh, that was a very, very strange thing for a guy that had been a very good kicker for, for a number of years. Let's Let's switch gears. I need to ask you how weird it's going to be to have a Dallas Cowboys team without Ezekiel Elliott on it. And when you look at Ezekiel Elliott and, and maybe how he played and how the situation unfolded, you know, after he signed that big contract, is the big contract that, that Zeke signed in Dallas, is that sort of a cautionary tale for the Giants here as they try to negotiate a long-term deal with, with Saquon Barkley? I think it is. Um, I think it is a cautionary tale. And, um, you know, this is the unfortunate reality with the running back position. 
uh, in the last you know 10, 15 years in the NFL that we've seen is is these players, even the ones that are you know as incredibly talented as guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. You know they they come in, but they play a position that is just so much more physical than quarterback, receiver, tight end, and they take so much more punishment. And you know, in terms of like the actual physical contact, it's more akin to playing offensive line. But you're not, you know, six five. You're not three hundred pounds. Your your body's not built to take that kind of punishment. And so, the position we've seen across the board is is players are just breaking down faster and faster. And especially with Saquon Barkley, I mean, he's you know already had some injury injury issues, whereas Ezekiel Elliott, for the most part, was a fairly healthy guy. It was just an issue with his play was declining. He he wasn't able to play the way that he was, and you know he had something like twelve touchdowns this last year, but most of those came on rushing attempts within the five yard line. So it's not like you know he's breaking off these incredible twenty yard runs which is something Saquon Barkley still does when he's healthy and he's out there playing. And it's good to see that he still has that burst, but it's, it's the same kind of concern of how, if he's good when he's healthy, how much longer is that even going to last if you extend him long-term? Um, but it, I mean, it's, it's very unfortunate just because there are so many great players and I consider Saquon to be one of those, you know, incredible players who came out of college and he was, you just thought this guy's going to be a playmaker from the beginning and, um, just the nature of the position is is difficult to have that longevity. All right, David, let's talk about another position. Let's talk about quarterback. And we know that in Dallas, Dak Prescott has been the guy for, you know, for a number of years now. And yet we know that, you know, the standard America's team, the the number of titles that the Cowboys won back in the day, the fact that they haven't won a title in a very, very long time now. You, you look at Dak Prescott's career, and, and it's been good, but maybe, you know, looking at it, at least from my perspective, maybe not good enough. And I'm I'm just curious, how much longer is the leash for Dak Prescott you know, as as the franchise guy in Dallas, how much longer before before the Cowboys look at Dak Prescott and say we need to go in another direction if we're ever going to to get over this hump and get back to to being a Super Bowl team? I would say, as it relates to the, the team itself, he's got he still has a very long leash. Obviously, when you talk about you know the fans and you know, the, the, the media as a larger entity, it's a very different case because, you know, there, there's more emotion tied up in it. But I think the, the Cowboys organization is very much still sold on Dak. They're committed to Dak. And it's a similar situation to what they had in Tony Romo, where there's, there, there's really no question within the organization that that's the guy for them at quarterback. And in Romo's case, a lot of times he would have these incredible seasons statistically but either his, his defense was just not very good or his offensive line was riddled with injuries and then they go into the playoffs and lose to, lose to a team in some kind of ridiculous fashion. And then suddenly it's, oh, that, that's all on Romo, even though you can point to this issue, this issue. And it's kind of been a similar issue with Dak Prescott where, you know, he gets into the playoffs and, um, you know, two years in a row now they've lost to the 49ers. And part of that is just, well, the 49ers defense is, really, really good. You know, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, they have a really good defense there. Um, good enough that D'Amico Ryans just got, 
got hired as the head coach in Houston. Wish him the best of luck there. And, um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunately the reality of the NFL is there's only one team that finished their, their season with a win. And that, that's also the nature of playing for the Cowboys is they're such a, a high profile team that when you're the quarterback of America's team, like it's always going to be your fault, whether it actually is or not, whether you win or not. Um, but the Cowboys have done a pretty good job the last couple of years of, of taking the ne- necessary steps to upgrade their team when, when they see a deficiency. So they made the change to bring in Dan Quinn as, as their defensive coordinator. They've had really great defensive results the last two years. And now they're saying, well, Dak Prescott is not the issue, but maybe his offensive coordinator was the problem. And that's why they couldn't score a whole lot of points in the playoffs. So you cycle out Kellen Moore for someone like Mike McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl when he was the play caller and when he had a really good defense, had a phenomenal quarterback. And so there's the thinking of, you know, we're giving him all the pieces. We're trying to avoid what happened with Romo. Um, you know, if, if there's a situation where now they go forward and they feel like they've done all the, done, you know, given him the supporting group that he needs and then he still doesn't come through, that's where things will kind of get tricky because I don't know, you know, if there is a breaking point for the Cowboys front office, because right now they really, really do believe in, in Dak Prescott. One of those deals where the quarterbacks get too much credit, too much blame all the time. And, exactly. and, and maybe it's a little bit like what I talk about with people who this off season wanted to move on from Daniel Jones and still can't believe that the giants gave him the contract that they gave Jones it's like, well, you know, be careful what you wish for because he may not be Patrick Mahomes, but there's also a lot of guys out there playing quarterback that aren't as good as Daniel Jones either. So right. it's a matter of how, it's it's not as easy to find someone better than, than, than yeah. fans might wish it was. And especially with the quarterback position, it's so much of – it's what you know. And, you know, when you have – uh, I mean, you have Dak Prescott in the building, you know exactly what he is and you know areas where he needs to improve, you know areas where his supporting cast needs to improve. And similar with Daniel Jones, I mean, statistically, his first few seasons were not very good. And then Brian Dable comes in and, and you know, you have a, an excellent coach, an excellent offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, and he, you know, goes and has a pretty good year. So you know already what you're dealing with if you don't bring him back then you have to bring in someone that you don't know anything about and you just kind of have to trust your own evaluation. And that's risky. That's especially at a position as important as quarterback. You know, you hinted a little bit about the expectations year in and year out with the Cowboys and and I'm a Yankees fan. Okay. And, and I have over the years had to sort of realize that, that the world has changed in in Major League Baseball ever since you know since the days when when it was World Series title or bust for the Yankees when you could expect the Yankees to be in the World Series every single year to win it every couple of years to to add another World Series title to the twenty seven that they've got you know every every couple of seasons and and there are still a lot of Yankee fans who look at seasons and think. If you don't win the World Series, it's a complete failure. And 
I'm wondering if that is still the feeling of a lot of the fan base in Dallas where you know it's different now with the level with the the layers of playoffs and the number of teams and and salary cap structure and, and all of that but is there still this feeling among a lot of the Dallas fan base that that if they don't win a Super Bowl that the year's been a waste definitely yes there's that's still very much a feeling and it, it, sometimes it's hard to tell how much of it is still that sense of like just looking at what they did in the nineties and saying that still should be the standard versus how much of it is just exasperation with how long it has been. Because for a while there was a really long drought where the Cowboys hadn't even won a playoff game. And, um, and then they broke that streak in 2009 with Wade Phillips as their head coach. And then the very next year they fired him halfway through the year. So it's, it's, there's no easy breaks with the Cowboys uh, even when things are going well. But um, I mean, to, to what you were talking about, things have changed so much, especially in the NFL. I mean, the league has expanded multiple times since the 90s Cowboys were, were dominating everything. And, and then there's been changes to the playoff format, changes to the seating, who gets, who gets uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, I think really the, the one thing that has done the most disservice to the Cowboys during all that has been the fact that the Patriots came in and were just absolutely dominant year in, year out. Because aside from the Patriots, it's been proven that, I mean, most teams have a really hard time having sustained success and like consistently getting to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. And the only outlier has been the Patriots and they're just, they were absolutely dominant. But then you look at, well, Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, very good arguments for both of them being the top of their respective profession. But I think that does make it a little harder to have that context of, well, it's just really hard to win a Super Bowl, which is the unfortunate reality for the Cowboys. But that standard, I think, is always going to be there, especially with Mike McCarthy being the head coach. And so much of his hiring was based around the precedent of, you know, with Jason Garrett, he was, you know, he was the favorite son. He had played for the team. He started his coaching career with the team rose from offensive coordinator to head coach, but he was always learning on the job. And Mike McCarthy, it was, he's been there. He's done that. He's got a Lombardi trophy on his bookshelf. He's the one that's going to get us there. And now he's going into his fourth year and he hasn't even made it to the conference championship game yet. So that just kind of feeds into that standard and that feeling of disappointment. Absolutely. By the way, uh, did you really have to, did you really have to send us Jason Garrett? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was uh, i'm still convinced he was working on the cowboys payroll for that year and a half there <laughs> oh i don't i don't know about that but and and i did i did like jason garrett in a lot of ways he's a very likable man i just and maybe the giants weren't you know they there there were a lot of issues there but 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 garrett was one of them as well so mm-hmm. So unfortunately, yeah. the offense the offense that that he ran was was still the 2010 version of of the NFL offense, I think, and it it came down to it got down to a point where it was like throwing darts at the wall. It's like we don't have a philosophy. We'll just try this today, and we'll try something else on the next drive, and you know we'll, we'll just do whatever pops to mind here. We don't really have a plan, right? 
Yeah, Jason Garrett, I think from from the time that he had with the Cowboys, I, I don't know a whole lot of, of players or former coaches that had a negative thing to say about him as a person. And he's, he's, by all accounts, he's an incredible person. He was a great leader for the team at a time when they really needed that kind of steady presence. But to your point about the X's and O's, the scheme, the play calling, he kind of got passed by in NFL trends and he did not adapt to those. And there's a reason why at one point the Cowboys brought in Scott Linehan to take over play calling from him because they realized he was not that level of a play caller anymore. Um, And then obviously things happen. One thing led to another and eventually it was time for him to be done as a head coach entirely. But then when he started calling plays again with the Giants, it was clear he still had not really updated himself or adapted to the, the changing trends. Absolutely. So let's uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you about your thoughts on the on the 2023 NFC East. Is everybody still pretty much just, uh, you know, l- looking up the Eagles and, and wondering when they're going to start making some mistakes? Um, I mean, I, I, I try not to get too swept up in like history and, and you know, historical trends, but I, I do always come back to with the NFC East, the fact that there hasn't been a repeat champion since, you know, the 03, 04, when the Eagles did it back to back. And I think that just speaks to the level of competitiveness and the, the parity and the turnover within this division. Um, and that makes me very cautious about just assuming that the Eagles are going to come back and, be great again, especially given the history of teams that are the runner-up in the Super Bowl and having that Super Bowl hangover effect of how do you react when you make it to the biggest stage and then you can't come through with it. Um, I I mean, I still think the Eagles are going to be a very good team. I think they have a very good roster and they've been very well built by Howie Roseman. Um, Jalen Hurts, I think, is only going to continue to get better as as a player, but the rest of this division, I think, has a lot of potential, too. I think the Cowboys, I mean, the last two years, they've won 12 games each. I think they're a better team now than they were last year. The Giants, I think there's still some question about, you know, what, what Daniel Jones really is. But we saw last year him and Brian Dable, that's a good connection. I think they made a lot of moves to upgrade the weapons. In theory, that should provide better results and they should be a more competitive team. And then with uh, Washington, it's it's kind of a, a weird situation with them with the ownership change hanging over their heads, but you bring in Eric Bieniemy, who's got a really good track record and they have some really good weapons on that offense. The question is Sam, Howell, like, is he really, is he an NFL quarterback? Like what can he be? How much can Eric Bieniemy help elevate his play? But I mean, if they can figure out the quarterback situation, they've got, you know, good weapons. They have a pretty good defense when everybody's playing at hundred percent. So I think it's, you know, if everything is going right for all these four teams, I think it's kind of a, a division that could end up cannibalizing themselves because there's a lot of talent between these four teams. All right, David, last question for you, and it's sort of an off-the-wall, offbeat question, but I have to ask you about the Jerry Jones documentary. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying I could care less I will not watch a single second of the Jerry Jones documentary. I, I, I have zero interest. Do you care about the Jerry Jones documentary? Are you going to watch it? And if so, why? <laughs> um, I, I'm going to watch it. 
I feel like I kind of I'm contractually obligated to watch it at this point. Being a Cowboys, well, fan. I gotta gotta give you the, if contractually obligated, I'll give you. All right, <laughs> <laughs> like like when the Cowboys are on hard knocks, you know, like whether or not I'm I'm excited, I'm gonna watch it. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's Cowboys content. Um, do I really care? Honestly, not at this point. I mean, I I feel like I feel like I get plenty of Jerry Jones coverage throughout the year. He's, he's always ready for an interview. He's always, I always hear his voice, you know, not, it's not even like a, it's, it's a weekly thing where he's on some radio show and, you know, he'll say something and that gets, you know, reported everywhere. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily craving more Jerry Jones content, but at the same time, who knows, and maybe they'll, they'll put out the trailer for the documentary and I'll come away thinking, wow, that looks so much fun. I can't wait. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, it's always, it, it, I, yeah. from, from an outside perspective, we've just enjoyed for a couple of decades now watching Jerry Jones think that he's a football guy. <laughs> so <laughs> so Jerry just keep on making decisions for the Cowboys. You go right ahead. <laughs> anyway, David, that's how we you. felt about Dave Gettleman for the record. We we all we all miss him dearly. Giants fans don't. <laughs> Giants fans don't to be honest with you. I thought about Dave the other day because he he quote unquote retired to Cape Cod and I spent a vacation in Cape Cod a week or so ago. So I I I wondered if I somehow would run a would run into Gettleman, but <laughs> I, I I had no idea what I would have said, but I wondered if that would happen, and and it it didn't. Probably fortunately for both of us. Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, David. Thank you very very much for the time, and uh, why don't you let folks know where where they can find you on Twitter and and all that good stuff. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at underscore dh four four underscore at bracket the name with underscores. Um, I'm on threads, the, the new social media. Wow. App. Um, it's just David Howman, all one word all together. I don't know how much longer this thing's going to keep going, but I'm, I'm on there. You can find me there. <laughs> you can find all my written content on bloggingtheboys.com. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.